Amen. All right, now let's quickly take our declaration of understanding. We'll go into our teaching on prayer for this evening. Today, again, is our school of prayer. If you are ready, say amen. Amen. All right, I want to let's go now, I declare. Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seat quickly. Let's get into the teaching. I think, um, like I said last time, we are quickly coming to an end. That is to the end of this particular series we have been on for a while. Prayer basics. I feel like quickly getting into what I want to teach today. So, right, let's open our Bible screen to the book of Matthew chapter 18. We'll begin from, from there. The book of Matthew chapter 18. Oh, okay, let's start from verse 16. Hey, chapter 16, sorry. They will not go to 18. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to come down to 18 in a moment, but let's just go to 16. I want to just start reading from 16. I'll read from verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah. I wonder how they go to that Jeremiah one, actually. <laughs> John and Elijah could understand. Or oh, one of the prophets. Okay, maybe a Jeremiah just stood for one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, or Petros, and upon this rock, Petra, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound It's a very funny grammar here. It's unique to Greek. So that's why you see all kinds of translations. Shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Some other translations we say, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But let's not get into the grammar now. Let's just get into the teaching i quickly go back to that uh, Matthew chapter 18. I'll go down to Matthew chapter 18. Let's see when he spoke to the, um, the, all the disciples, all the apostles, there standing there for the church. Here he was speaking specifically to Peter, who received the revelation from God. And I want to emphasize something. Understanding gives you spiritual power. Never forget that. It wasn't because it was a unique person that he got that, let me put it, or that delegation of power. 
but because of the understanding that he had at that moment. And you see in this Matthew chapter 18, he said something here, talking about how to um, resolve disputes in church. In front of verse 15, he said, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, again, the same thing shall have been bound or shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall have been loosed or shall be loosed in heaven. Difficult grammar there, like I said. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. What I want to share with okay, let me just quickly say what I want to teach today, and let's hope I can, we can get there. Now, we have been looking at um, prayer basics, and one of the things I emphasized is that, strictly speaking, the definition of prayer is that you're talking to God, all right? Any other thing in which you are not directly talking to the Lord does not really qualify as prayer, even though they are good. I keep on emphasizing that so that you will not forget to pray, because a lot of people end up forgetting to pray, even though they are doing some things that are good. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. All right, so some of those good things are the ones we're now looking at in this latter part of this series. All right, we talked about prayer itself extensively, and we'll revise the issue of that prayer later. So among the things that we said are important spiritual exercises that are closely related to prayer, but strictly speaking, do not fall into that definition. We mentioned one, um, just thinking of, which one did you mention? Hmm? Meditation, very important one. Prophecy, prophesying. Later, I'll talk about blessing. I have not talked about that because, in fact, this one will go, uh, this is part of, in fact, today I have so many things put together, but I have one that I want to really stay on. What I want to talk about today is exercising authority. Exercising authority, okay? So we talked about prophesying, we talked about meditation, we talked about, uh, what else did we talk about? Agreement, aids to prayer. Okay, I talked about that, all right? And I said all these things, we must be involved in them on a regular basis. Agreement, which we just read from here again, if something concerns more than one person, it is important that we come into agreement. Let me take one, two minutes detour and remind us of something I said about agreement before, just to emphasize something. Do you know, if the, now listen to this, and it's in line with what I'm teaching today. If the church in Nigeria can come together, seriously, hmm, and it was possible for them to agree, they can drive out corruption in 24 hours. It's a spirit can be kicked out. But the challenge is agreement. Is that, can they agree? You don't just come and say, I agree. You first, you first, you first agree to remove corruption from your body. That's where it starts. It's not as if just, okay, we agree. Now, if you, <laughs> I'm not trying to promote a movie. The movie is popular enough by itself, so I don't need to try and promote it. Many of you, almost all of you have seen the movie Prophet Suddenly. Yeah. You notice a few times, that guy will say, I rebuke you. The spirit will burst into laughter. Yes. And she'll say, you can't rebuke me. Like, it's a matter of fact. 
Do you get my point? And she knew what she was saying. There's a kind of state you, are, you have to be in before you can exercise your authority. You can't throw it away, throw iniquity, and then you want to exercise it. It doesn't work. That's what that woman, um, that uh, spirit there, that mommy water. <laughs> that's what that mommy water girl was telling her, him, that pastor. All right? You know, that's fact. What she just said is true. You cannot rebuke that spirit if you have lost your right through iniquity. Your righteousness must be intact. Do you follow my point? All right? So that's just, I'll come back to this later. Like I said, it's a small, Side trip. The church can. You will find that as I go on today, I'll hope to explain it again. Is that corruption is actually a spirit. It's a spirit. An evil spirit. It can be cast out. Then I'll talk some more about casting out of spirits today. Alright? That's actually where I'm going to lay my emphasis. So, if the church wants to cast it out, the church has to come into what? Agreement. You cannot single-handedly on your own, cast out a, a spirit that affects everybody. Because as you are casting it out, they open the door again, they will cast it back in. As I had. Alright? So I just wanted to drop that. For the church to keep on, I say that once in a while, for the church to keep on reminding itself or herself that she's the one that has the power and she has to do something. Bishop Kuka says something. If you read newspapers, I check the headlines every day. Yesterday was in almost all the, in fact, about four newspapers I checked, it was the headline, all of them. I'm sure of three, I think the fourth one, I don't know where, where that Guardian put it in front, but Vanguard did, Punch did, even Sarah Reporters was there. You open it, the first thing you see, that Kuka said that the worst corruption Nigeria has seen ever happened under Buhari's administration. Now, I'm not saying I agree with him, so, because me, I don't, I, I may not think so. I actually think that. I don't know. Let's not get, because if I start, I will be arguing. Let's not argue. Let's talk about the spirit. All right? Now, did this shock me? No. I remember then when President Buhari, then General Buhari, was campaigning for office. And everybody kept on saying, this is what we need. That those who said it. All right? Not me. I mean, Pastor Debakari said the video when he was explaining how this is the best man that can turn this country around. I never believed him. I did not believe him. I did not believe Wari himself. I did not believe anybody. I see, my opinions have, have never been popular. My opinions in this politics, never. I've never been agreeing with anybody. All right? This last time they were shouting, shouting, everybody was saying, Christians, come this direction. You know, I did not agree with them. And if the divisions were just jamming and jamming, then finally, uh, Judah's senior prophet. Now, I don't mean to brag, all right? But there's one very strong prophet in Nigeria. He says something. As soon as I heard, I said, it's not true. God didn't talk to him about that. Judah was looking like, in his mind, oh, God, you are very bold. I said, look, there are words you will use. I know God didn't speak to you. There are words you will use. I know this is a, is a word that came, or how do I say it now? It's a word of anger and vexation. It's a word of common people, which has filtered into prophecy. So when the man used it, I told Judah, and even Okimute here, and even Israel, that God didn't speak to him on this one. The man finally confesses that he's sorry. That actually God didn't speak to him. That it is his flesh that crept into what the Spirit was saying. I wasn't, it wasn't like, look, whether he said it or not, I knew that was what happened. 
He's a good man, credible man. But this flesh, eh, wicked soul, to be creeping. Look, if you're a preacher, I'm telling you, before you come and preach, just look for the hottest part of the spirit realm and put your flesh there. Let it be burning while you are preaching. <laughs> because you corrupt your message. When we say flesh now, what I mean is that if you are hungry and you are angry with those who didn't give you money, it will spoil your message. I'm telling you. Just say, Pastor, just say, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. Just open it like this. <laughs> know that. Some people have offended him. Prophets are like that too. They start seeing things that sometimes they see correctly. Hmm? They are clear. That is what God is showing them is clear like this. They see, I see a rod of an almond tree. I see, I see, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? The lampstand <laughs> having seven these things. They will see all of them clearly. Interpret first. And then while they arrive. Twice in my life, there have been many, but two times clearly. One, I was very young. One is in recent years. I heard a prophet speak, two different prophets, two different times, spaced by about, I think less than 15 years, 17 years, thereabout. First time I heard a prophet speak, I just left school. I was in my housemanship. And I was playing a message, and the prophet had a vision. He narrated in the message, a series of messages I had. Then he gave his interpretation, beautiful interpretation, very good interpretation, but I said, this is wrong. I said, this interpretation doesn't tie. But you know, he was a good man in that he said God did not give him any interpretation. He just saw the vision. He saw a giant snake, very big snake, red or so. And he told us what the snake represented, and I agree with the same. And then, of course, this was 1992. He preached the message in the late 70s or early 80s. So I can understand why he would have had that wrong interpretation. But he now said the hand came out of heaven with a sword and chopped the serpent into pieces. And then the head turned and found that the body had been cut up and all of that. So he began to interpret. I said, I was hearing the interpretation. I said, no, now this is not the interpretation. I said, this just said communism will come to an end. I said, no, because this is clear now. For me, it was so clear what it was. But his own interpretation did not signal the end of communism. It signaled an open door to rush into communist countries and preach the gospel. I said, no, communism is going to come to an end. You just prophesied it. I can't you see it. Now you say, ah, Pastor Bang, so you knew more than him. No, I was young. But the events around me made it easier for me to be able to conceive it. When he had that vision, communism was so strong, he did not think it would just come to an end like that. When God was going to end it, God just ended like almost overnight. Almost overnight, bam, next thing, glass knock, perestroika, you know, opened up in USSR at that time. Before they knew what was happening, everybody began to speak up, and then they broke up into different republics. And Gorbachev, who died recently, had nothing to rule over again. And that, was ex- that vision was so clear. The vision was so clear that, ah. But the point I'm making is that he, was, he said it clearly, the Lord didn't give me the interpretation. This is what I think. That's why prophets often get it wrong. The second one was in recent years. A man came to town, gave a word of prophecy. My wife and I were there that day and we're so happy for certain reasons because the prophecy was so clear what he was saying. And I felt he was the only person that didn't know the meaning. That's the prophet. And he described, I won't give you details, he described this and vision he saw 
Describe somebody, how he was dressed, how he was moving, how things changed. Ah, we're so happy, like, Father God, you answer prayer. The way you answer prayers, eh? thank you. Then the man began to interpret. Then we're like, God, tap him now. Tell him what he's saying is wrong. What happened to him was that the word was actually a word of correction and judgment for a friend of his. He got the vision right, but the interpretation was colored by emotions. Sometimes God finds it very hard to reveal things to us because he says there are things I want to tell you. You can't just bear them now. How can they tell Jesus is going to the cross to die? No, you don't understand. This is your guy. Your friend. You love him. You've eaten with him three years now. You guys have been rolling together. That's number one. Number two, you left everything and followed him. This ministry must survive. Think about it. He goes away. Where does that leave you? Those two things put together. And then third, I forgot to add the third one. Let me add it. Third one is that this fellow is so powerful. Seeing him heal the sick, you know, all kinds cast out demons, raise the dead. There are different kinds of dead. When you raise Lazarus, you raise the dead. And if you laid your hands on Lazarus and spoke to Lazarus, that's one way of raising Lazarus. But when you start at the door and whistle for Lazarus, and Lazarus shows up suddenly in front of you, nobody can kill you. At least so we think. Inakim was not talking one kind of nonsense that they are going to beat you. You go to Jerusalem. After Peter said, hey, please stop this thing. If this is a joke, you stop it. Are you a gluten for punishment? It wasn't only Peter. All of them said, oh, God got this one wrong. So Jesus said, there are things, I will have told them more things. There are things I want to tell you, can't be there. I just told you now, they will take me out. And then we are having this commotion. Satan has jumped into the midst of us because of one little thing I said. So he left it. So many times God wants to reveal things to us. This last election, that one, I, I didn't even have any, I, those of you are close enough to me. You know, I didn't have a shred of doubt in my mind that most of the prophets were not seeing any visions. I didn't have any doubt. Of course, they were not prophets, I told you. They were social media opportunists. Because you stay in your house, you put out, you just, all you need to do is put your phone like this, balance it, and do a recording. Yesterday night, as I was praying, the Lord began to say to me, and if he agrees with what we want, we'll, we'll help you share it to go viral. All the ones that God said to clearly how the election will go. It couldn't go viral because nobody agreed to share. It's true now. And there's a particular man, he, he spoke clearly. God told him what was going to happen. He came and said, no, it was not God that said it. That, that was not what God said. He contradicted himself. I said, okay, you should leave it now. Now, why would I go into all of that again? What was I trying to say? I know I began that. So when people were saying that time, when President Wari was coming and everybody was saying all kinds of things, typical of me, I was looking at everybody. You know why? I said, President Buhari himself cannot end I never for one moment felt he could end corruption. That was why I started, started with what Kuka said. Why? I said, this thing is his spirit. This is nobody, man. One man wants to come and cast out that evil spirit. How does he want to do it? Do you know how anointed Moses was? You know Moses? Moses. Servant of God, friend of God, Moses. You know God was with him. Do you know he could not take the people into the promised land? If Moses could not take Israel into the promised land, who is worried to take Nigeria out of corruption? You don't understand. 
People just think, oh, man can't do any of these things. I told everybody, you should forget this thing. Yeah, yeah, hey. I said, okay, continue doing your, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, a man couldn't fight nothing. He was happy to escape after eight years. He said dealing with these people was like dealing with stubborn cows. Yeah, that's what he said. He said, my own cows are easier. I, of course, I laughed again. I've been laughing for a long time. <laughs> What's my reason? I said, no, it doesn't work. And it was quite a shame for the... Now, please, this is not, I'm not talking politics here. You must understand. Not because I didn't like him. I'm not saying I did. I'm not, I'm, what I'm saying is not because I did not. Forget that thing. Those who know, in fact, people used to call me APC pastor because they thought I supported President Buhari all the time. I said I supported my president, the individual I didn't care about. It was my, as long as he was in office, I owed him everything I had in me spiritually. Okay? I did. But my issue was that if you felt any human being could do it, you don't understand spiritual things. And of course, you know one of the reasons why Nigerians will see all kinds of visions? Um, um, Eliab was very close to this throne. You know who's Eliab? Yemio Shibajo. That's Eliab. Why did I call him Eliab? I'm not saying he had the heart of Eliab, but we had the eyes of Samuel. Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. We were so sure. Born again Christian, a man of integrity. He was just so close. We were just waiting to, to hear the news that President Barry wanted to come down and he fell and he died. People waited for that for eight years. <laughs> I was looking at them like this. I said, people are just committing iniquity. Me, I was on my knees praying that the man will not die. That he will live. He said, why? Because he's the head of state. That's the only thing I'm allowed to pray. And I know I prayed right. Do you know why? He lived and did not die. People waited. Ah, they waited. Even after it became clear, election was closed. The vision started again. Those who had political insight, they said, Tinobu will win, but he will be arrested. The Oshibaja will come back. I say, if we want to kill this idol, Avi, they turn poor Yemi Oshibaja to an idol. It was clear. I don't know what people, I mean, see, sorry, don't mean to brag, but if you know me enough, I, you know I didn't believe a word of all of that. You should leave the, I liked him. I loved him. Personally, I did. But did I think that the visions would come to pass? I didn't believe one of those visions. You know why? It was so clear where it was coming from. They were all from the flesh. Every single one of them were from the flesh. Why? Because they felt that if he enters, he will be able to do it. Except that I knew that there was no guarantee. That one I was convinced of. If anybody ever enters and did what we thought he would do, it was because that time was ripe, not because of the person. Our hope as a church was placed in individuals. We kept on changing them one after the other. And God kept on saying, when will you people learn? My people, when will you learn? They kept on exchanging. You know, now I'm stuck on that message. It's what I call the sin of Israel asking for a king. People just felt what we need is a king. A friend of mine is one of those people. He believes so much what Nigeria needs to get it right. I said, what does that mean? You have to get a good leader. Then one day somebody who is a very, very... Now, this person, now, Brother A is speaking. This other guy, let's just call him Mr. Q. 
who agrees with Brother A on everything apart from the spiritual aspect. What we need is a good leader. What we need is a good leader. So Mr. Q now posted something that somebody wrote concerning the experience Taishularin had with Babangida. And that article explained how Taishularin, of course, if you were there then, most of you here probably were not, or okay, let me say a lot, only a few of us. Now, I'm telling the story of, now, in case you don't know, Babangida left power in 1990, June 12, 1993, right? So Babangida left, I think, in or 93. Okay, 93. June 12 was, June was 93. Yeah, I think it was late 93 that Babangida stepped out. He steps aside. Because it was shortly after June 12. All the crisis he left. So, that's some time ago. That would be, how many years? 30 years. So, anybody under 30 here? Well, if you've been reading stuff, of, of course. Taishalari in his days was a critic, just like Wale Shoyenka. All of them are the same gang. You know, Beko, Rasamkuti, Wale Shoyenka, all those people that used to garnify me. It's as if they all were in the same club of, let's make the life of any leader of Nigeria, especially a military leader, horrible. And Babangida being who he was, he had different ways to handle you. So he looked at Taishalari one day, he called him. We know the story that time, but I read it again recently. I said, bros, what do you really want us to do in this country? You have to help the poor, social, the social, that. Okay. Babangida said, no problem. We're going to start a people's bank. I'll put you in charge. You're going to be giving money to the poor to start small businesses, run their farms, improve their businesses. I should say, okay. Ganefa and me drove to, 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 to Ikene. So go and see Taishularen. I don't take it. Taishularen said, Gani did not know that I'm a very stubborn person. I've already made up my mind. That's what we can do for this country. Let's make a long story short. Now, Mr. Q, remember my Mr. Q posted this, but that he was reading it. I was ready to. Just reminding us of the story. Let's make a long story short. People's bank failed after a while. I heard that Taishularen went to see Babangida. Babangida said, what, what's going on? Of course, if it's indictment, Babangida had enough to indict the man. Of course, he didn't accuse him of eating money, but, you know, mismanagement. I found, I didn't even know then, that the main thing that made People's Bank fail was that the so-called poor refused to pay back. Every money they gave them, they took it as their part of the national cake. Taishularen, he went to Babangida, Oga. I don't know. Babangida said, no, there's no problem. You can go home. Should I give you another job? Or, no, Tashula, I said, no, they do it again. No, take another job. Maybe you can move. Tashula, I said, no, no, I'm going back to the Kenya. Let me go and be teaching secondary school children. Those one, did they hear what? So I'm going to him simply. Just one, like, he just said, you can go home. There's no problem. No, no charges, no investigation, nothing. But I wanted to remember this. Next time you are criticizing. After that, bro just kept quiet. Shortly, he went to the pepper farm. You know? You know what I mean by pepper farm. All right? Yeah, because he couldn't talk again. So when the, this guy posted that thing for us to read, I started laughing. I said, oh, you finally, because they used to think I had a problem. When I tell my people that leadership is not our problem, it's what they call followership. I didn't even know that's what they call followership. They call it followership in civic studies, all right? Civic studies, there's something called leadership studies, and there's followership studies. I didn't even know that. I found that recently. I said, followership is what they call it, not fellowship, oh. to follow. To follow, I call it followership. They call it followership. I said, that is a real problem. So my friend now said, ah, hey. 
So he was surprised that somebody who was on his side saying government is the problem was not saying this again. I said, ah, he said, okay, what is not the hope now? He was frustrated. He lives in America. He said, cool, what is not the hope? That's what I'm getting back to. I said, yeah, I've said it again and again. One way or the other, you have to get a revival into the people. If you say it's not doable, then there's no redemption. Like Jesus was said to have told the angels, I have no other plan. That these apostles must spread the gospel. They must make multitudes of disciples. Those disciples must spread the gospel and win more people to Christ so that the redemption that Jesus paid for will spread all over the globe. He said, if they fail, he said, I have no other plan. He said, the angels asked him, what if they fail? You left the plan of eternity in the hands of 12 people who included Thomas and Peter. No, no, you know Thomas and Peter. Thomas initially believed that he rose. Peter just ran away. <laughs> I will die for you. Peter said, I ain't dying today, man. We'll come back and die for you another day. And they said, what if they fail? Jesus said, I have no other plan. Other man is it? It's only the church. That's why I said everything I said. I've never had any faith in any leader. We have a new head of state. I'm back to my normal thing of praying for him. That's what I've always done. That's what I've always done. Is my hope in him? No. My hope is in God. But my expectation, also hope, is in I'm looking at what the people of God will do. And it, like this last election, oh God, my heart was hurting. And I saw the way the church was behaving. I said, you guys are not ready. Let me tell you something about God. Eh? He will make you ready by force. Yeah, you'll be ready by force. You know, you know what am I ready by force? He said, Banky, go and tell them. He said, we won't believe Banky. It's okay, good. If you have listened to Banky, eh, you'll have been ready in two years. But since you will not listen to him, you are going to learn the lesson in maybe 40, 50 years. But learn it, you will. You know why pharaohs arise? To make the people want to leave Egypt. There have been no need for those difficult pharaohs. If one day, in the midst of prosperity, one rabbi will have arisen and brought out the scrolls and say, it was said to our father Abraham that his descendants will go into Egypt. A certain number of years they will return. We are 40 years away from that time. Let's start educating our children and start going to look for land in the promised land. Let's start going. I'm sure a few people like that arose because God has to be shown to be faithful and righteous. Because I know they won't believe anyway. Because who believes in the midst of prosperity? Why will you believe when you are prospering in Egypt? You just bought 10 hectares of land. You are building your dream house and building this in Egypt. Now you should go back to one promised land where there are giants. You self check up. Why will you live where there is comfort to where there are giants? So God said there's no problem. How do we kick them out? It's not hard. Make them get tired of Egypt. So there arose a pharaoh who did not know Joseph. And he dealt harshly with them. So much that they hated Egypt. Then they began to cry. God now came and said, I've heard your cries. That was why Moses could say, let us go, and they followed. Anyway, why am I saying so? I don't want the church to get to that point where they'll keep on getting pressed and prayed. Otherwise, we'll keep on having leader after leader that will disappoint. Until one day they said, please, oh, I want to bring you one, one white man from Australia to come around the country. Say, welcome. You won't care where he, where he came from that time. Come and meet him at the airport, you won't go. 
He said, right now, they say, okay, the man says not coming again. He's, he's sending his dog. You say, welcome. You, you, <laughs> that's what you <laughs> At that point, God said, oh, you want another king? He said, there's no king but God. He said, hey, was that not what I've been trying to tell you for 30 years, 40 years? The Lord is good. So just trying to say that if the church can come to where they are supposed to be or where she's supposed to be as a body. Now, let me back, get back to the beginning. And the church says, I want to cast out, cast out corruption. The church can. No leader will. No leader will. If the church casts out corruption, then a leader that's not corrupt will come in and find a suitable atmosphere to do what he's supposed to do. He will find a suitable atmosphere that's not fighting him. Under Obasanjo, listen, in recent years, now, I think nobody will argue against this. Under Obasanjo, Corruption in Nigeria was at the lowest in recent years. All right? Now, most of us remember Ngozi Okonjo-Wala. Remember her? Minister for Finance. She wrote a book on how corruption fought her back. The woman made it clear, fighting corruption is dangerous. She said it. That corruption fights back. She fought corruption until the corrupt boy said, what is wrong with this woman? They went to her hometown and picked her mother. They say it's a case of kidnapping. And the kidnappers told the mother, tell your daughter to pay our subsidy money. What's wrong with her? If you go and read her book, when the woman will explain to you how corruption fights back, you will know why President Buhari says, I'm going to Daura to go and solve corruption amongst cows. That that one is easier. When somebody comes to Nigeria, anti-corruption, I just say, you don't know who you are dealing with. The people crying are corrupt people. The average person's anger is that he's not the one stealing. His issue is not with stealing. It's why come I'm not the one doing it. The people on the street don't even know him. It's the one that okay, most people do. That's the one that pinches. When you hear some things eh, your ear will start bleeding. And you didn't have an accident. Nobody slapped you. They didn't shoot you. You just hear something. Your eardrum, boom, you check, blood is coming out. You say, this is church. Ah, they say, not church. When you hear people going to church, <laughs> let me not bore you. I mean, let me not tell stories. When you hear some things in church, you just go, you won't be able to sleep. Someone that I didn't work here will never sleep. If I tell you some things, the guy will be awake for a week. You say, hmm, hmm. Pastor, <laughs> Because he thinks, you know, he thinks that everybody in church is an angel. Once they wear white robes, there is a sign of righteousness. So the white robe of the saints is righteousness. Hallelujah. So his priest will wear white robe on Sunday. So when I remove the robe and show him what the guy is wearing under, ah, okay. <laughs> he wants to faint. I said, leave that one on a cloth. This is not righteousness. I remove when he sees filthy rags. And that's church. You hear some things, eh? You just be feeling bad. You know, like, sometimes you want to go to the Lord. I say, Lord, please, can I do you a favor? I say, Lord, put your head here. Let me just rub your back. I want, I know how you feel. Seriously. So that's the problem with corruption in Nigeria. I don't think anybody's coming to solve it. Nobody can. Only the church has the potential. I am not, there's nobody else. Only the church has the potential. Only the church. So the church preaches to herself and tells herself, stop being corrupt. And the last I was saying, and the, the church can now gather together and say, we 
rebuke corruption in this country. We command it to get out. Hmm? And then she placed a curse upon her own people that will be corrupt. Yes, it will be disbanded after a short while. Nobody's teaching again. Because it's a spirit. Yeah. I just want to say something about that agreement and what the church can do briefly. All right. So, about corruption. Now, let's get back to what I was saying. Um, I just read this portion of the scriptures to show that there are times that God leaves some things in our hands. He said to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And you'll have a duty to bind some things on earth that the situation may be confirmed in heaven or that the heaven's decision may be established on the earth, whichever way you look at it. Then in chapter 18, he said to, the, to all of them, have we read that? Yes. He said in verse um, 18, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, so he was telling, this time I was saying to all of them gathered, that is the job of the church. Now here, notice something. Even though the context was in judgment concerning how brethren are relating, judgment concerning how the order in the church should be, even though that's the issue, but we can also read from there and deduce the fact that some things are left in the hands of the church, and if we don't take care of it, it will not be taken care of. I hope you get my point. Now, like I said, today I'm talking about exercising authority. And I'm going to emphasize the issue of demons and their activities. The other areas we exercise authority, we'll get into it. Let me see how, where we're going to get to today. Now, I'm going to start by telling a few stories. Okay, let's read one more portion of the scriptures, and I will now tell my stories. The book of Mark, chapter 16. Mark, chapter 16. Again, let me say, it. God has placed so much authority in the hands of the church. Many of the things that are occurring... Is because the church has not yet bound those things. If the church binds them, they will go away. But I just said in passing that you don't just bind with your mouth, you bind with a lifestyle. I hope you're getting my point. He that wants to throw the first stone must be without sin. That's the principle. The church must purge itself first before he can bind corruption on the, on, in the nation. And, but if he does that successfully, if she does that successfully, then corruption will go away. That's the way it works. That's why Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, and ye are the light of the world. Now he said in verse 15 here, Mark chapter 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, this is a portion of the scriptures we all know very well, so I'm not going to say much uh, about this now. But I just want to emphasize the fact that he said they will cast out demons. In my name, they will cast out demons. Bear that in mind. In my name, they will cast out demons. Now, I'm going to tell a story. Actually, I was going to tell a story. Some of them personal stories. Um, I'm going to start with one that um, Kenneth Higgins told. And I'm going to talk about demons. I'm not going to do much reading now. I'll just be talking. Now, Kenneth Higgins, if you read this book, where, uh, the stories in many of his books, 
It's in Triumphant Church. It's in, so I think, Authority of the Believer. I'm not sure, but it's in different materials. If you read, listen to many of his messages, you encounter it. He had a vision anyway. And the Lord told him that he was going to teach him about demons and how they operate and how to handle them. And as the Lord was telling him things, yeah, I think there was that particular one. It's at the point in time, an evil spirit that he, now he was in the spirit, he was seen, all right? He could see the Lord, not with his eyes. He could see, all right? The Lord was talking to him, was hearing with his ears, and he could take notes, all right, if he wanted to. So the Lord was speaking to him at a particular point in time. He said an evil spirit suddenly jumped between the two of them. He could see the spirit. He said it looked like one little monkey. He was just making a lot of noise. Just making nonsense sounds. And at the same time, raising smoke. So that he was obscuring the vision he was having of the Lord. He couldn't hear what the Lord was saying. And he couldn't see him clearly anymore. But one thing he saw was that the Lord continued speaking as if nothing was happening. So he began to wonder, like, excuse me. Lord, are you not aware? I can't hear what you're saying. Can't you see this evil spirit that's disturbing me from hearing? So he was trying to look through the smoke and listen through the noise to what the Lord was saying because the Lord didn't stop talking. Now, these are things that worry me personally in life, encounters like that. Because, you see, God expects some things of you. And I know that he behaves as if you know what he expects, you do what you are supposed to do, so he can, so he can do what he, he wants to do. And if you don't, you miss many things in life, and it wouldn't be his fault. This is a matter of fact. So it is your duty to go and pray, hmm? so that you will know that your problem is that you did not circumcise your son, if your name is Moses. So that when that spirit comes, that's about to take you away before the time, you will know what to do. Please, the way God behaves, he gives instructions, as a father, as a friend, as a teacher. And then he also runs parallel to that as a judge. Don't ever forget it. I don't, have to, I don't want to you know, leave my main teaching now and go into that. But this particular man, he said this happened to him. And he kept on, so out of desperation. Not out of understanding. Out of desperation. But of course he also he was already knew that as believers we have authority over demons. So he just shouted out of desperation, you foul spirit, in the name of Jesus, stop. And as a pam, the smoke cleared, the demon hit the floor and was whining on the ground there. He said, not only stop, get out from here, in the name of Jesus. So the spirit disappeared and ran away. He said, the Lord now says something to him. That he, he started arguing. He said, the Lord said, if you didn't do anything about that, I couldn't have. So excuse me. You said if I didn't do anything, you wouldn't have. The Lord said, no. I said, I could not have. Ah, I was like, no. How can you tell me you can't handle a demon? He said, you meant you wouldn't have. Okay, you're angry with me. You expect him to do something. I'm not going to do it, so you're going to be angry. He said, no. At the point, he said, he raised his voice and said, I could not have. He said to the Lord, excuse me, vision or no vision, you have to explain this from the Bible. He said, I reject this vision if you can't prove this point from the Bible. That the Lord cannot handle an evil spirit. Now, I'm not going to go give you the arguments, the points the Lord gave him. Gave him about four scriptures, all right, to prove what he was saying, one of which we have read. Okay? But I reasoned about it. Now, what I'm about to tell you now, Kenneth Hagin did not say. I, I'm the one saying it, okay? I reasoned about it. 
And my reasoning, this was what I came to, and my reasoning is based on my years of study of scriptures, experience, and all of that. I reasoned that what the Lord was telling him is simple. Just what you have heard me say many times. The heavens are the heavens of the Lord. The earth he has given to the sons of men. That, that demon was in your territory. Now, spiritually, you must understand, the things of the spirit cannot be measured in kilometers or meters or even in light years. So, the Lord is standing there. Technically, he's in the heavens. Kenegan is standing there, close to him, can hear him, can see him. Technically, he's on the earth. And the problem was the issue of territory. That's what I think. And that what Jesus did for us on this, when he was living was to give us authority two ways. Number one, he gave us his name that is higher than every other name. There are two ways he gave us authority. One is that he gave us his name. He gave us the authority to use that name. He said, in my name, cast out demons. That's one. The second thing he did was that he raised us. The father raised us with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. How? How far? Far above principalities and power. So we are, you see, in the realm of the spirit, there are ranks. Let me explain that. Ranks exist. Ranks exist. Ranks exist. Even amongst children of God, there are ranks. Mm-hmm. I can prove that for you from scripture. Go on Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. Jesus said, I will give him a name that nobody knows apart from whom I'm giving, I'm giving it to. I'll write his name for him. Anytime you see name, he's talking about rank and authority. Each person is, as, is given a name according to certain criteria. Okay? You need to, me to prove it further. They came to Jesus and said, Grant that we human beings we sit on your left and on your right. He did not say there's nothing like that. He said the Father will decide who will sit there. There were positions of authority. There are, let me not, not the word, there are positions of authority. There are ranks in the realm of the Spirit. And if you go and see that Roman centurion, one thing he tapped into that Jesus said you have great faith was that he said, I am a man under authority. And then I am a man over authority. You know, two things he said. Many people miss that. He said, I'm a man under authority. That is, I have superiors. I have Caesar in Rome. I have people senior to me, between me and Caesar, who's the commander-in-chief. All right? I'm just a centurion. Okay? I mean, there are are generals there who command legions. He's just a centurion, commanding a hundred. All right? And he now said, I have soldiers under me. So I have people who command ten. I have people who command two. They are all under me. So I say to one, go, he goes. And Jesus was impressed that this fellow has understanding because that's how things are in the realm of the spirit. There are ranks. So as believers in Christ Jesus, now, human beings by nature were built, all right, by God to be higher than evil spirits, demons. However, sin, (laughs) sin is a reproach. God will put you here. Sin will put you under the carpet. Please go and read my book, Worship and Self-Control. I explained this idea. Stop resisting sin because somebody will catch you. Resist sin to hold your authority. Because when you are working in, in, in iniquity, that's how me, Kukushesha, will be laughing at you. <laughs> you can't cast me out. You can't. You can't rebuke me. You can't rebuke me. And you'll be looking like me. I rebuke you, me, Kukushesha. <laughs> He said, Mikey, come, 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 come. 
A man of God be following familiar spirit up and down. That's what sin does. See, when you see sin and get angry, sin is cheating you. Are you getting my point? Yeah, it cheats you. It cheats you. Cheat. Just remove your authority. You want to say, in fact, I don't want to tell you this joke. Okay, I'll tell you the joke. I'll tell you that joke. We used to laugh about it in school. So one day they were casting out demons. Someone went to minister. So one guy said, the name of Jesus, come. The demon said, you, you. You that saw under that tree with that sister. If you don't shut your mouth, I'll turn it to purple leaves. I will turn you to purple leaves. <laughs> it was a joke on campus. He said, I will turn you to purple leaves. What's purple leaves? I don't know, but... <laughs> See, when you see sin, eh? run your that direction. When you see sin, tell sin, waka. Tell sin, God punish you there. Have fire. Die by. You see, you are talking to. So you are talking to. Say, don't mind this evil spirit that wants to steal my destiny. Now, I told you, I want to do a series, Enemy of Destiny. Apostle, it's your father who has not done that series. Who's doing on radio? The plan was to do casting, overcoming the enemies of destiny. We put it on radio. Three sessions. It's a prayer service. You know Nigerians, they will tune in. Because they think that their mother-in-law is going to be in trouble. And their neighbor. I will not gather, show them who the enemy of their destiny is. Number one, their mouth. You have been crossing the land that God gave to you. That's your number one enemy. Let's not, let's not sit down there now. Anyway. What was I saying? <laughs> Demons. The way God did is this. Two ways he gave us authority. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. One, he gave us his name. That name, at the mention of the name of Jesus, what happens? Every knee bows. Because God gave him a name that is higher than every other name. Once the name is higher, you call the thing devil, is higher. If you call him Basibob, it's higher. Apollo, whatever, you call yourself any name. It's a name it's inferior to the name of Jesus. And Jesus now gave us that name. In my name, cast out demons. Number one way we have authority over demons. The second way, like I was saying, is that the way we are made, the way God has restored us in Christ Jesus, whether we say the name of Jesus or not, if we just stand, they must take the other direction. Because we are not on the same level. We are not in the same category. Why? We have, been, we have been raised together with Christ and made to sit with him in heavenly places. That's what Paul to, told us in that book of Ephesians. Please, you are getting my point here. Okay? So that's how it is with the spiritual realm. All right? Now, next point I want to make is that, go, go back, going back to that story I told you, all right, about Kenneth Hagin and Co. That was why, and his vision. That was why the Lord said what he said to him. Because I believe the vision. I believe the word of that prophet. I believe that experience. And by the way, we read that book, um, Authority of Believer, very early in school. And I'm going to tell you a few stories of things that happened as a result of what we read in that book those days. And what I'm talking about today is that Christians must learn to take authority over demons specifically. All right? I'll say some things about the way demons operate. When we're in school, as students, university students, the book, of course, Kennedy was our main teacher at the point in time. We read a lot of the materials. So we read Authority of the Believer. 
And not only did we read it, you know, we're filled with the Spirit. Now I'm talking about that. We're filled with the Spirit. I just, you know, when I began to teach about it, I realized what was going on. We were just filled with the Spirit. But we did not know, we thought we were normal human beings. But we were filled with the Spirit. I went to fellowship twice a week. We worshipped, we prayed, we heard the word. We did things like evangelism, follow-up, all those kind of things. We heard songs. Read my book, please. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now I realize that those things were filling us constantly with the Spirit. Why am I talking about it? Because we read the book, Authority of the Believer, and we practiced the things inside, and we saw the results. We brought demonic activity around our way. We killed it. We were never afraid of demons. Our seniors were used to casting out demons from people. Some of us didn't get involved in that. Not because we were afraid, we didn't see them. But we cast out demons a lot from situations. There's a story, one of the stories, one of the most dramatic that I remember, was a friend of mine who came home, came from home, and he came, called two of us, making three of us now, and told us about the situation in his home. And when he did, again, I look back now, we were filled with the spirit. I don't know how we knew it was an evil spirit that entered his father's house. But we knew. I still remember the block we were in, praying, in hall two, top floor, that E block. I can still remember the room. I may not be able to pick the specific room, but I can tell you which section. So it has to be only one of five rooms. Okay? And that day I was ill. I couldn't stand up. I was really feverish. I was having body pains and all of that. When it was time to pray. So two of them stood. I sat. I remember very well. And we decided to worship. After I finished everything, okay, let us pray now. We join hands. And we worshiped for a few minutes. Then, you know, we are three. The man who told the story, me, and the third person. The third brother was the one that ended the prayer. And I still remember very well all he said. You foul spirit, disturbing the home of this brother, we command you in the name of Jesus, stop and get out. He didn't say more than that. The whole prayer lasted like 15 minutes. And we stopped we worshipped again, and we left it there. Then he traveled home. All of this in less than 10 days. When he came, went home and came back. Less than 10 days. Not up to two weeks, definitely. Again, he called us again. This time around, he brought food. Now, the hungriest things on earth is students. Students are always hungry. I don't know how they manage it. They are always hungry. Always hungry. So this time around, he said, we should come home. So we came again. What is the issue? He said, just came from home. And the whole situation had turned around overnight. He said, it was as if his father woke up. As if his eyes cleared all of a sudden. Let's make a long story short. All the disturbers, all those fake prophets that filled the house, a man drove all of them out. And order was restored to the house overnight. All of this in just a few days. So when he came back to school this time around, he came with a testimony, and we had to celebrate. And that, my friend, the other guy who led the prayer, very funny human being, <laughs> he's always joking. He said, ha, praying for brethren is good. As we're eating. <laughs> around that period also, 89, SAP riots, 89. I remember I was at home. Of course, SAP 89 is a long time ago, just for... Records, whoever listening to this, that's 34 years ago now. Yeah. Yeah, around this time, 34 years ago, was when, if you, if you can read, the guy is still there, I don't know what he does now, he's a humorous, Ogaga Ifowodo. 
Yeah, you just Google Ogaga Ifowodo. That was the point man of Student Union. He was the Secretary General or General Secretary of Student Union, University of Benin. But he was the main man. We had a president who was not as known as him. Ogaga Ifowodo, these are guys who mobilized for SAP protests nationwide. Of course, Babangida came one day and said, oh, everybody go home. And said, it was closing our schools for one year. Now, let's not talk about the politics. What I want to talk about is an experience I had when I was at home. So I was at home for a long time. I was studying the Word of God, had book to read. I was a medical student. Now, the room I was staying in our house, the way the, our house is, I mean, still there, my mom still lives there. It's close to the fence at the back. And the house behind is also close to the fence. Now, the fence is not really too high. All right? But the fence is there. Now, the room I'm staying in is right at the back of the house with the big windows open. Make a long story short. Anything I do in the other house, I heard. Okay? Now, that man decided to marry two wives. Who does that? Just by the way, if you want to marry two wives, at least be very rich so that one can stay in independence layout and the other one will stay in uh, maybe a backlinky. Not two of them under the same roof. That's a sign of poverty. You, you, you're not rich. Those who marry two wives, they marry two wives. Are you getting my point? A house in one part of Enugu, another house in another part of Enugu. Anyway, this is my guy. Didn't have money. I don't know how I ended with two wives. To make it worse, and if Canada even to marry two wives, at least train them very well. Let's know who's senior. Okay, where am I going? The whole story. The first wife had grown up children. The younger wife, maybe just a little older than the children of the first wife, not something like that. You know, so so the rivalry was between not the two wives, but the children of the first wife and the second wife. And what that meant? She had energy to quarrel. They had energy to quarrel. And so they quarreled all the time. How they managed it, I don't know. They quarreled persistently. And the only way I could have peace was to be in that room. And these guys were always quarreling. And then I read the authority of the believer. So I told the Lord that they are disturbing my peace, and I don't like their noise. So one day I stood in my room, and I faced their house. I didn't pray to God. I remember. I said, you evil spirit, disturbing this household and thereby disturbing me. This not taking away my peace and my quiet. I command you in the name of Jesus to stop your activities. Until I went back to school, I didn't hear pimp from the house. Never had any noise again. Never. For one reason or the other, they found peace. Why? And I, that's part of what I want to explain. Because all these things are energized by evil spirits. And that day I took that spirit and I kicked it out of their home. My logic was because you are disturbing me. So spiritually you have crossed into my territory. And if you understand, spiritually, that was actually what they were doing. They said, this guy, you will not make progress. These books you are reading, spiritual books, you won't read it. Satan said, how can we stop that boy? He said, let's put noise there. So I shut the noise down by identifying that it's a spirit. Until I went to school, I said to you under God, I didn't hear any noise. The most dramatic I had that experience, that period, I remember that experience, was a friend of mine went to his house. And he read one stupid, in fact, actually I borrowed the book. 
I wanted the name of the book so he won't be tempted to read it. It was a novel by Harold Robbins. He read, the guy was talking about, he said he had discovered the, the trick of pastors. He was laughing at me as a childhood friend. He was laughing at me. That shouldn't let these pastors fool me. They had discovered their trick that he read in the book. So I said, okay, can I borrow the book? Say, let me even see what trick you found that the pastors were using. I won't give you the name of the book. Let's go to go and read one bunch of nonsense. So I took the novel. You know, we used to read novels a lot those days. So, but, but this I was not in university. I stopped all of those things, okay? Reading novels. So I didn't read. I, not, I don't What am I doing with Harold Robbins? So I, I took it because I wanted to know what it was. I read through the book. And I said, this is a bunch of rubbish. How can they? It's a novel for goodness sake. It's fiction. But my guy was using it to laugh at me. I was in his house. He was mocking Christianity and mocking and mocking preachers. We grew up together. We used to go to Bible studies together in secondary school. Now we're in university. It was another university. And he was mocking Christianity and mocking everything. And he was grieving me and grieving me. At the point in time, we were in the sitting room. I just got up and I went outside. And I said, you blaspheming spirit. I command you in the name of Jesus. Shut up. And I went back inside. So then he calmed down. And began to preach the gospel. My jaw opened. This I can never forget. The recent revelation the Lord just gave me that I was writing down. This guy was discla- he was just he was preaching it. I was looking at him like, what's going on here? It was as if an evil spirit departed from him, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. I remember I just walked out of when the sitting room, I just walked to the balcony. Nobody heard anything I said. I was just angry. You blasphemy spirit. In the name of Jesus, I command you to shut up. And I walked back in. Like nothing happened. You know where that spirit jumped into us from? A book titled Authority of the Believer. No, the Believer's Authority. He has two of them. Authority of the Believer is a smaller one. The Believer's Authority is a bigger one. It's the Believer's Authority we actually read by Kenneth Higgins. No, I remember those things. So, now, I'm putting many things together now. You know, I told the story of, I told I'm going to tell you stories. I told you the story Kenneth Higgins had. Just give you a few experiences we have had in life. And I just told those stories because they're very dramatic. I, there are many other stories we could, I could tell, all right, that would explain these things. I learned over time to start to, to identify when evil spirits are misbehaving. Now, let me say something about demon spirits. Listen carefully. There is flesh, all right? Yeah, there's flesh. There's flesh. I mean, when I say flesh now, there are natural human tendencies, the human soul, the fallen human being, has a lot of natural things that it does that are against God. For example, you can be angry. It's natural. Somebody can annoy you. Are you getting my point? You can be sad. It's natural. Okay? You can be greedy. It's a flesh. It's a feeling of the flesh. Some of these things I said, they are not sins. But let's move on to things that are sins now. You can be covetous. It's a sin. It's the flesh. You can be lazy. It's a sin. It's the flesh. You can be vengeful. It's a sin, but it's flesh. Okay? It's in Galatians chapter 5. The Paul said this, we know the deeds of the flesh. They are all there. Now, if you go through all those deeds of the flesh, they are natural. They are there. Natural people operate in them all the time. 
So, he said their immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, and all of that. Drunkenness. Now, where I'm going with all of these things is this. Every fleshly activity you see can be amplified, and it's often amplified by evil spirits. Every fleshly activity you find can be amplified, can be enforced, and is often thus you know, acted upon by evil spirits. Now, when I say evil spirits, now let me, you know, I've talked about the evil spirits here before, the word, use of the word spirit. Spirit can just be an influence, all right? You can just go into a place, you tap into the people's attitudes, and we still call it spirit. So you can have a spirit of jealousy. Some people over, you know, they over-spiritualize everything. Everything is a demon. No, you can have a negative spirit. So we use the word evil for it. But it's not a personality. It's just an influence. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying demons feed on... Now, demons are known for a number of things. They, now, unlike angels that can have names. See, Gabriel. I hope you're getting my point. You see, Michael and all of that. Most demons are known by their activities. A deaf and dumb spirit. A spirit of infirmity. Those are the names they bear. I hope I get my point. Now, every walk of the flesh has a spirit. And if anybody continues in the walk of the flesh, the spirit will enter and start enforcing the activity. So what starts as just a fleshly attitude, after a while becomes a demonic oppression. And then one thing about, like I wrote in that book, Worship and Sex Control, the flesh attracts evil spirits, Evil spirits attract each other. I hope I get my point. Oh, yes. They don't, they don't like being alone. Somebody starts out being possessed or, let me use it, or being afflicted. That's a better word. The word possessed, I was taught, is not very correct. Being afflicted by one evil spirit. Let him stay there long enough. After a while, he's going to have five. He stay there long enough. After a while, there will be a legion. And evil spirits actually drive people mental. Now, the fact about evil spirits is that, like I said, flesh, they start, then they come in, they want to take over the situation, and then you get when somebody begins to have what you call in psychology an obsession and a compulsion. I can say this for sure. Every compulsion, okay, an obsession in psychology is something you can't stop thinking about. Compulsion is something you can't help but do. I hope you get my point. Some people are compulsive thieves. They don't need those still. They just come here like this. As they are talking, they are looking at the device I have here. And you look back, they take it. Every single one is a demonic activity. Compulsions are demonic. They are demonic. Every sin that a person, all right, let's talk about Christians now, just decide to continue in. After a while, demons enter that place and make sure the fellow can't stop. Yeah, that's the way it works. Now, when this movie came out, Professor, I told you that one of the reasons why I enjoyed the movie is because those of you who know me will help me long enough. There's almost nothing they are acting that I've not told you about. Almost nothing. How they use familiar spirits, and that's why I have experience with that you know, from people's testimonies and all of that. Those familiar spirits, hey, they are notorious for going with the spirit of immorality. So when they depicted it in that movie, I just said, no, these guys, you are right now. I mean, this is just the way it works. And you see, most of these pastors that go around, well, 
these fake prophets that go around, you know, raising money, seeing visions and all of that, usually when they leave, go and hear stories. You see how they were almost raping church girls, people that are supposed to come and give them food, they grab them. Some of them, they don't do that. They go and look for prostitutes. You, you will hear the story. Many of them are into homosexuality and stuff like that. How did it happen? Is money. You know, let me not talk about that movie now. Usually what happens is that they start looking for money. Just like that man in that movie was like, I have to blow this ministry. I must blow, I must blow in this ministry. That's how it starts. You have a church, you've been passing for some time. Membership, after five, six years, you're only like 25 regular members and all of that. You, and then you now see, how, what thing these people get where I not get? What did they know where I not know? You know, someone will offer to show you the way. And then they show you the way. I wrote this, to, in fact, good enough, I released my book, Worship and Sex Control, long before the movie came out. So you will know, I wrote inside that book. Next thing they know is that where they are showing you the way, they give you a woman. And that's how it starts. That's how it starts. The spirit jumps in. You start used to, you start hearing voices. Order of knowledge and all of that. Like the one my friend told me about, after I went, they wanted to run that pastor mentor. Which is the reason why in that movie I laughed. Because this guy... They were about to run him mad when he came looking for deliverance. He went looking for money. Evil spirits followed him. In his own situation, they drive him to prostitutes all the time. Any day he operates, other ones say, I want to prophesy. My papa, go deeper. Anytime he does it, once the meeting is over, the thing overpowers him, he can't help it. We just leave the church, maybe after they leave him to the hotel, he enters his hotel, a car, and drive to the red light district of that town. And picks a halot for the night. Pastor, it's supposed to be. He confessed it. He's something he can't help. It's called, it's called a compulsion. It's a demonic spirit. This thing walk around. They do. They're always walking around. Looking for who will agree. Look. They open the door for the flesh. They jump in. They stay there. They're not planning to go away. Listen to me. They're not planning to go away. They're not planning to go away until they finish that fellow. They're not planning to. They have to be driven out just by the way. They can't just be driven out without the necessary sacrifices. When I say sacrifice, that man I'm telling you about, all the money you are making, you have to throw them away. All the wonder family, like that in that movie, all that, all that glitz and everything that followed the ministry, it will close. The mistake they make, ah, that's why I love that movie, really. I can show you things, spiritual principles, where they highlighted it. At the end, when that evil spirit, well, that number me what that spirit, that girl, that dual purple spirit, <laughs> both spirit and human, eh? Uh, how do they say it in Igbo? Akaram, 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 something, eh? A <laughs> <laughs> half man, half spirit. <laughs> uh, you know, she said something to him at the end that choose you this day you want to follow. That was where the whole thing was targeted at. Because until that time, he has hope. Other one he's doing, he has hope. They can throw it away, repent, and Jesus Christ said, don't do it again. Maybe even kill him in the process, but you will let him be saved. But that spirit needed him to say, I choose you over Jesus. But good enough, he had the sense to say, no, not the sense, that was a stupid sense, actually. What he was supposed to say, all right, is that I'm tired of this, I'm going back to where, like a prodigal son, I'm going back home. But he not made a mistake, it's called covetousness. The things that are in the world, the loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, and the pride of life, they wouldn't let him go. So he said, let's find a way to make it work. Remember, he said, I love you, but I still want Jesus. 
And that demon spirit just got angry. And the Lord, of course, the Lord approved it. They took away his senses. He became crazy. For the demons, the bad case. It didn't work. Heaven lost, quite all right. The church lost. For the demons, we did not succeed the way we were supposed to. That's why by these right sacrifices, he had to turn his back on the glitz and the glamour. He had lost a lot, all right? But he still had to turn his back on the glitz and the glamour and everything, the success, and know that he's going back to poverty. And that's one thing they never want to go, get, you know, let go of. And unfortunately, let me say something. Whether you like it or not, you eventually lose it. Uh, look, listen. Anything you want to compromise, to hold, eventually you will lose. So lose it willingly. Just get to say, okay, I don't want to get. Because you know what? That place you are trying to run away from, you still come back there. In that book, Worship and Says Control, I wrote it. Do you know? David, from the time he, he took Raya's wife and killed Raya, how many months before Nathan came? If you didn't think about it, you probably think it's next week. It's over a year. Have you ever thought about it? The woman was just getting pregnant. When Kasala bought, are you getting my point? When things scattered, they had to formalize Uriah. She had time to deliver. And the child was in that house before Nathan came. I put a minimum of one year. From the time they killed Nathan, they killed Uriah, till Nathan showed up. But you get my point. Is it not clear? It's not overnight. The pregnancy had to progress. The woman came to complain. I'm sure she was just about two months pregnant when she came to complain. So we are clear at least seven months went by before she delivered. So that's why I said, it's at least a year. Oh, let's just say, it's about a year before Nathan now showed up. Why did God, see, it's a simple question. Did God know about it on day one? Are you sure? You were there? It's just God. <laughs> okay, so okay, let's leave that. So why did he not send Nathan immediately after the finished killing Uriah? Why? You know what? He's very patient. He was saying, David, come forth by yourself. Say, David, you are finished, Abby. You have covered it up. Good. Now you are going to go to the high priest and tell him what you did. David did not agree. You know, David was still going to the temple. You know, David now? He wouldn't stop going. Going to the tabernacle, still going. Anytime he was going, <laughs> if you're going, one of you will be looking like David, David, David. <laughs> All these women you are chasing all over, all over America and Nigeria. Tell the... <laughs> the angel kept on telling him, King David, report yourself to the high priest. He not talk. You finish in the tabernacle and go home. The angel said, Nathan is coming in the evening to discuss some important matters. Report yourself. David didn't say anything. God was saying, if I bring up the matter, you will suffer. David said, we have covered it now. Nobody knows, apart from Joab. Joab knew that. Joab said, when the king says, he said, tell him your servant Uriah is dead also. <laughs> Joab knew now. Between Joab and David, they ended everything, and they covered it well. Please, you, could, you can't cover anything from God. Before you did it, he saw it. After you did, he saw it. The record is ever in front of him. What's wrong with you? At the end of the day, was everything not exposed? Except that by that time, the punishment was determined. It could not be reversed. 
Now, what's the point I'm making here? David should have just come forward, and they would have been spared a lot of the punishment. By the time Uriah, by the time Nathan came by himself, things were bad. And God said, no, 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 I gave him a whole year. Ah, you don't do one whole year. If you wanted to repent, you should have. God is on your hey, hey, you are singing psalms now. <laughs> this song, you for sing them after one month. Before you brought Bathsheba into your house, you should have sung this psalm now. This psalm 51 that you won't let the generations afterwards hear now. Eh? You for sing them first. Singing it after Nathan has, has arrived. Sorry, bro. It works more, but no good work finish. That was what killed Amnon. That's what killed, um, what's the name of the fine boy? Absalom. It, it didn't just, he was still killing after David was dead, sir. Adonijah still died. It was the same thing. The whole household was scattered. Demons, I said, they attract one another. David started with adultery, and then with murder. Other demons entered the house. They possessed the children. They did. When Amnon was neighing after his half-sister, like, I-, I would die. It was not him. It was an evil spirit. He was literally possessed, afflicted, taken over by demon power. There was nothing he could do. As soon as it was done, the demon left. Another one came in. I want demon of anger. Ah, David suffered. Oh, my father in heaven. Let me just remind us. The more you love the Lord, the more you have to be careful. The more the Lord knows you, the more you have to be careful. Those who preach grace, as if grace means anything I like, I do. I feel sorry for them. The more of grace you know, the more you're in trouble. See, what's the name of this our guy? Aaron's elder brother. Sorry, Moses, Aaron, yeah, Aaron. You know, Aaron built a calf. What happened to him? Nothing. Nothing. Miriam misjived. Nothing happened. Aaron, hi, Aaron, sometimes I wonder whether the guy's head was correct. Honestly. You know what happened to him? Nothing. Built a calf. Why? Because he's not Aaron. That boy, that guy, he doesn't have sense. He will do something. God said, he's not Aaron. God did he, I'm sorry to say he didn't have such a high regard for Aaron. Just, just giving sacrifice to be cutting throat of animal and be blessing a few people. The person that God regarded very highly, Moses. Now, if you sneeze wrongly, God said, I will be there to wipe your nose. Why do you sneeze on that side? Moses couldn't do anything wrong. God not allowed to do anything wrong. Why? It was, it was too close to the Lord. What, what's wrong with you? God said, okay, when you get there, you know, don't strike the rock again. Just um, speak to the rock and the water will come out. Moses God is saying, this striking thing is the one that works. <laughs> For that single offense, God said, you're not entering the promised land. He begged until God said, three times he begged. The third time God said, don't bring up the matter again. So those who preach grace as if it's a license, it's what I don't understand. No, now. <laughs> It's not, look, Paul said, grace teaches you to depart from iniquity. Let's get that in mind, though. Let's get back to the issue of demons. So that's what demons do. They like where the works of the flesh are present. And once they come in, they hold, 
They empower it. They continue it. They make sure the person can't stop. Demons like to scatter things. There's no story I've told you now, the ones I gave earlier, that the demon didn't have a way by which they entered. The one Kedegin told, I don't know details, but something allows them demons in. But the other ones I told, of course, I can tell you, this is how this demon got in here. This is how this other demon got in here. I can be telling you, this is how they got in. But once they are in, they have to be chased out. There are two ways to chase demons out, okay? There are two ways. The one I'm talking about, we're talking about prayer now, is the one in which you literally cast them out. But the one thing about demons is that you can't cast them out um, I'm looking for one word, aimlessly. You don't just come and say, any demon here, I cast you. No, it doesn't work. You just carry a gun, spray the whole place with anti-demon bullets. No. You want to cast a demon, you must identify it. You must know who you are addressing. You have to be clear the direction. Otherwise, you're just diffusing power. Just diffusing it doesn't have any effect. Yeah. You know what demons do? They ha- first, their job is to first primary thing, the primary assignment they have is listen. Push people into iniquity. For Judas to be able to betray Jesus Christ, Satan entered him as their primary job. They torment people. They are very good with that. They people do things that, let's see, there is nobody, listen to me, eh? There's no homosexual that does not have a demonic problem. It's called an unclean spirit. There's nobody that practices those you know, abnormal sexual things, like all these BDSM, all those funny, funny things, bestiality. They are all demons. That's just why, if you go and read in Israel, eh? because things were different then. Because if you catch any man doing it, you kill the animal, kill the man. No, go to them. If you, eh? you say, no, no. Stone both of them. You find a man sleeping with an animal, you kill the animal, you kill the man. Why? It's demonic activity. God, people don't say, why is God so mean? No, it's not punishment. It's cleansing. He says, you are polluting the land. You don't get it. They didn't have the privilege of giving their lives to Christ and repenting and having demons cast out. I said, no, 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 no. This no. Those are the reasons why I say, oh, all those ones I used to do, um, what they call necromancy, all those ones that you know, spirits that peep and mortar and all of that. Why God ordered all of them executed was that they were bringing demons into the land. And when demons possess a land, Sodom and Gomorrah will be a joke. Demons are terrible. They just make a man just get up in the morning and say, I feel like killing somebody. Yeah. They just get up. Killing somebody. Just feel like killing somebody. And that's what, that's why serial killers are bested. We have a few in Nigeria, we do. But I don't think we have as I don't know. We have, sure. Abroad, you have funny people like that. Some of them I read about in Nigeria saying like it's kind of human. Although no, Nigerian serial killers are usually born by greed. Call the ones I know now money the thief. Nigeria has already had, they really don't have play. serial killers that just kill people and then go home and sleep. No, now. He must have gotten something from that. Like the one that I read about in Abba. He will come and buy things from you. When you come to ask for your money, he kills you and bury you in the back of his house in Portacot. The man, when they finally caught him, a man in Abba 
told his wife, I'm going to Portaco. You know, this man is owing me. She said, yes, let me go and collect my money. And that's the last they heard from him. So his wife knew where, you know, he told the police where to go and look. That he, this is, there's a particular man that's owing him that he went to meet. And I found that that's what he does. You come buy goods worth, idiot, hundreds of thousands, not even like 10 million. If you want to kill somebody, go and collect the refinery from Dangote, and they will know that, okay, you kill for $10 billion. And kill a whole human being for money that could have beggars make it in two months. Nonsense. That's another story entirely. <laughs> we have to go like that. But <laughs> where they don't have, where their own is different, common in, where, um, you know, amongst the whites and all of that. It's more common. Man just wake up in the morning. For no reason, he can't calm down to kill somebody. The threat of jail is not going to make him stop. No, it can't. Once you just read the story, you know that, look, there's no need threatening this individual. He will not stop. He's possessed. He's oppressed. He's afflicted by an evil spirit. And that's why he won't calm down until blood runs over his hands. Go and read the story. Run, baby, run. Nigga Cruz will tell you, his father used to practice all this black magic and stuff like that in their house. That's where his own demons came from. He said he used to dream. The first, the first time he stabbed somebody, he stabbed the person for the sheer pleasure of blood running over his hands. I don't know why you get my point. He got into a fight. He needed to stab somebody so that blood would flow. He Read the book, Run, Baby, Run. He just wanted... So when he hit the person, the knife entered and the blood began to... You know, like, he almost closed his eyes to drinking the feel. This is a demonic spirit we are talking about here. <laughs> Those demons almost killed him anyway. That young man was not sleeping. They afflict people, they harass people, they terrorize people. You have to drive them out. When you identify them, you drive them out. Next point, which is the most important thing here. Don't let them in your territory. You have a territory. That's the main point. If demons are afflicting your neighbors, none of your business, you can pray from that till tomorrow. They will go out, they will come back. I hope you get my point. That my neighbor I told you I prayed about, 89. As soon as I left the house, you know what happened? The evil spirits came back. Ah, of course. Next time you visit, they are fighting again. Why? You are not in their house. You know, each time you pray some prayers, you need to have what they call local stand. A right to pray. I want to talk about taking authority. Let me end it here for this evening. Demons are not allowed on your territory as a Christian. Let me tell you where they come into. Like, see, first let me say something. Demons are not, I'm not talking about uh, they are possessing your business. There's no big demon inside your dog. Leave that thing. You know what demons do? There are three well, let me put the areas where they come. One, they come for you, they come for your spouse, they come for your children. That's the area you drive them. Stop driving demons from, from your, you won't take my money. They don't want your money. I remember one sister, those days in school, came to us. What's the problem? Her brother began to smoke. We stopped him from smoking by casting out demons from campus. The boy had been misbehaving and talking like that. Said they had prayed and prayed and prayed. One day she now mentioned it to me. Uh-huh. Okay. When you finish, I told you that we're a few spirit filled, don't they? I said, that one a small thing now. Her younger brother. That one's not a difficult problem. Okay, after fellowship, we'll see. 
Or after class, whatever. Yeah. Let us pray. Again, of course, she's a member of the family. We are the brethren. We know how to pray. <laughs> we know how to chase demons. <laughs> it's the same. We didn't change the pattern of prayer. We identified the family, identified the human being, identified what was wrong with him, and we knew it was an evil spirit driving this boy. So we commanded the spirit out of him in the name of Jesus. Next day, the boy woke up, rubbed his eyes. What is wrong with him? He packed all the cigars in his room, threw them outside. He looked for a Bible. He went to church. They said, who wants to give a life to Christ? This guy went forward. In one week, he was free. One day we saw him. He was going for a camp meeting, carrying a Bible. Wiping out all the tapes he had that had worldly music and recording gospel music on them. One of the assignments God has given us is to take authority against evil spirits in our areas of influence. Many I see people, they're just struggling over something. I say, ah, look, I say, Kai, I wish this one. Don't people go to church? You know, this is your brethren, God will forgive them. And I say, come and sow a seed for deliverance of your family. God said, what is wrong with you? Cast out the demon. We see that you sow it. Somebody in your house said they can't sleep at night and you are sowing seed. Every night. Eh? Somebody said they in your house. Say, I don't know how you got here first. Go out first. I'll find out how you got here later. Get out first. Because really, there's what they recommend to call Satan's traps. Okay? If I may just drop because demons have, they need doors to enter. They don't just go anywhere they like. Do you get my point? Uh-huh. Like we've told a number of stories about what preachers do, but there are other things that human beings do. Now, for example, personally, I found out. This is personal. I'm not making a doctrine out of it. It's personal. I am convinced evil spirits enter people's homes through horror movies. That's my own opinion. I'm saying it from my personal experience. Okay? Evil spirits enter if you look. Why? Because those movies, they glorify the devil. Satan is magnified in your heart. It opens the door for evil spirits. I don't doubt that one. People who practice the occult, anything that appears occultic, superstition, yeah, 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 demons like superstition. Did you hear what I said? You are going somewhere. They say you can only cross on the right because you cross on the left. If you practice that in these spirits, we follow you. I'm, no, I'm not joking about that. When you say you can only cross on the right, go and cross in the center. Go up and down on the left. Say, I cross anywhere I like. That's why God said to Isaiah. Isaiah reported it. The Lord spoke to me with his strong arm. He said, never fear the fears of these people. He said, don't call it confederacy or a conspiracy. What is people call it conspiracy? And don't fear their fears. It's important to... They don't eat banana. You too, you don't eat banana. Evil spirits will enter your house. I'm telling you. They will enter your plantain. Let me just warn you now. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, sir. Uh, they say when you go to do some things, when they, they throw salt over their shoulder, uh, what do they do for to... When they step on what? A snail. A snail. They throw salt over their shoulder. If you do anything like that, you're just begging. Just go home and sleep first. At one day, you just hear, boom, all over your house. You wake up. What is that? You won't see anything. Sleep again. Yeah, boom. Nice. You wake up again. Nothing. Then you start patrolling. After one week, you're not sleeping. They want to drive you mental. Just go and say, Lord, you know, the other day I threw salt over my shoulder. 
I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Now, you salty spirit. Out. You will hear it run away. There are things we do. Just allow devils to enter your house. See? Superstition. Get away from it. Pornography. Get away from it. Um, all this. Um, uh, I hope you don't read horoscope. Uh, it's not an African thing. Do we do such nonsense? Yeah. Yeah. Evil spirit. Demons, you are begging for it. Yeah, not, not a joke. You know the truth? It's not even everything hanging inside your household. It's not everything, no. See, some of you insist you must count beads to pray. Better stop that thing. I don't care the church you say you go to. You want to pray, you hold beads. I command you, stop. You have to be careful, though. It's not everything they give you, carrying up and down. You go to a church that uh, they give you water. You carry it. You know these false prophets? They're selling water. If you enter a house, you see a photograph of Joshua, tear it. It has to be your house. Are you getting my point? Maybe you go home, your father hung one picture on the wall. Ah! And your father is a hard man. You don't know what to do. You go outside. Cast out that photograph in Jesus' name. To break the thief will break into your house and steal it. When they finish stealing your father's photo, <laughs> who came and stole our deliverance? <laughs> Doing it like this. I'm t- no, see, I'm, I know what I'm telling you. You know, every, every rubbish you, you, you are allowed. Anything that, bring, that brings, like, that's taking faith, like, what I'm in faith now, drawing your attention, focusing you on something that is not Christ, get rid of it. I have no problem with pictures, alright? Photographs. For example, I can put your photo in the house. I don't have a problem with it. I can put D.W.K.'s picture. It doesn't have any. I can forget everybody, blow it up. But I will never put a picture of a saint in my house. God forbid. So you are Saint Anthony, Saint John, Saint Lailai. And put it. That's why when you don't draw your hour on top of your head. Yeah, yeah. See, you have see, Oh, I will not. You know the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ? As fine as it is, I'm careful how I use it. If I hang it where it be like, say, they protect the house, I break you that day. I, look, I can wear pendants with the cross, I can do all that, but it's, it's just my fashion. Just like I can wear the one that has star. I can even have, wear the one that has a mango. Say, why mango? I don't know. I just look for a fruit. But if for any moment someone wants to design and put at the cross as the door, as it's like uh, it's supposed to protect me against demons, I'm removing it that day. Because the only thing that will enter is an evil spirit. It's a graven image. Yeah, you'll be surprised. It becomes a graven image. Ah, people don't know that. Christianity has certain interesting rules. Something is in this house is normal. Another house is an evil spirit. Why? In this house, it's just a photograph. It's a Picasso painting. There's no difference. But in the other house, they have to face it when they want to pray. In one house, it brings in evil spirits. In the other house, it brings in nothing. Christians, if it's not... <laughs> not these demons. They, they use tricks. After they use just sneaking where they don't belong. A lot of families. You see, you know what's causing quarrel there? 
Satan. The woman just woke up in the morning. You know, <laughs> I've seen family quarrels before that. I've just been wondering, like, so what is a quarrel? Apostle Seal, hmm? Demand the chase woman? No. Okay. The, the woman, they deny the man food and other things. You know? No. His mother is giving you a problem? No. Her father is giving you a problem? No. What is the issue? You can't put your finger on it. And they're always quarreling. They want to divorce. Satan. Demon. A demon has come sit down with the girl. As God really said, that shall submit to that guy. You know, the other day he wanted to cross the road. You know he was wrong. The other day he turned. You know he was one that, that was wrong. He's wrong, wrong a lot of times. He'll be speaking to the woman every day. Speaking every day. And she will hear him so much. Next time the husband will come home, she wants to fight. Him too. To make it worse. Please, guys. If you, if you're a Christian, if you go to beer parlor, you know, say my own, you know, my own anointing is different. I did take and fire people thunder. If you go near beer parlor again, two tires will burst in Jesus' name. That's your back tire. You say, okay, but I don't have more to do. Steal your wallet, steal your food, and beat you on top of it. Um, let me just beg, let let you know, those who are stealing your wallet and stealing your phone and beating you, they are not human beings. They are Angels of God, who we have sent to redeem you from stupidity. Father God, please send the angels. Anybody listening to me who is a child of God, born again, hunger for beer parlor, joint. Let him not come back. God, let him go out that with the new phone they just bought. iPhone, is it 14 or 19? Which are they using? The newest iPhone or the Galaxy S23 Ultra. Lord, they go. Not human beings. This one that police can't catch. Which police won't catch, catch in general? And you know what they used to beat you? Your phone. So like the phone will spoil on you. <laughs> what are you doing in a beer parlor? That's why they not tell you that your wife, your wife is a spirit, is a witch. Aha, another thing. Hey, I'm just remembering where all these evil spirits come from. The largest concentration and distributors of evil spirits are false prophets. If any false prophet wants to lay hands on you, tell bros, <laughs> that handshake may not pass that elbow. Leave him. <laughs> hey, bro, wait, wait, wait. Excuse me. Just remove your head. And so one sister go on church for you go one day. She was telling me later. So they came to church. The pastor now began to lay hands on everybody. So she she now she dodged. The guy pushed her, she dodged. He can't begin push. <laughs> Tell you the truth, this is a no good. <laughs> in new heaven. Ah, she began run. The guy, the posture, one lay their hands on I was like, like, you know, the lay hands on me. First day in your church, one lay hands on me. Who I be? Who you be? Ah. The ones I haven't heard, the other is that made me laugh. I first saw it, it was Mark Angel that first did it. I thought it was a joke until it started happening in real life. The pastor went to a church. In Mark Angel's video, <laughs> One guy came, Mackenzie came to church to see his pastor. He said, Ah, you were not in church last Sunday. He says, I had to do one small business, I'm sorry. He said, By the way, this is my tithe. Ah, the pastor said, Very good. He counted the money. God bless you, my son. As we were doing that, one man came in. As, as Mackenzie's pastor was praying for him, the guy was arranging his phones. You can see fine, expensive phones, like two or three of them. 
Then he, after a while, he brought out, he just went to the pastor. Hello, pastor. This is my tithe. I was a fat bundle of $100 bills. The pastor first fell down. Boom. They thought, what happened? He got up, took the money and began to speak in tongues. He said, let me pray for you. So the man who brought the tithe said, okay, let me kneel. No, no, no. The pastor said, no, you stand up. I will kneel. And as he was kneeling down there, he took the mask and put it on his own head. <laughs> it's one old Maggie comedy. <laughs> now it's very funny. Until I actually found that the pastors were doing it. That was when the laughter stopped. Who's going to give 10 million here today? I want to break the back of poverty. Five, five million. Who's coming forward? And this person gave forward. Say, okay, you are giving five million. All right. Put your hand on my head. Let me pray for you. Yes. Hey, let me just beg you. When they offer you that, say, Pastor, no need. Now, money I can't give. Leave them. See them. When you see poster, is it uh, Jonathan Elijah that he calls his name? You know that guy? I just didn't want to call his name so I won't have to be editing my messages. That guy's an evil spirit walking. You know? He's a shaman. Now, evil, that guy uses familiar spirit. Anything you see him doing, the guy is evil. Take my word for it. Don't go to where they are doing church. Don't go. If your pastor invites him, don't go to church that next Sunday. Say, why didn't, I, why didn't you come to church? Say, pastor, you invited Elijah. Why not? He's not a man of God. They say, pastor, Bang, he is not. I'm not afraid. Call my name. He know, I know the guy knows my name. He has to know my name. What did the demon, the sons of Sceva were casting out say? He said, Jesus, I recognize. Paul, I know. So I know those guys know my name. I don't have any doubt in my mind. So what will you do about it? So what will you now do now? If all your cauldron of evil spirits gather, what will you now do? I will even enter the, I will jump up from inside your pot. All of you will run. Nonsense. Hang up. If they are doing program, please don't go there. Don't say you are looking for solution. Devil is sharing solution. You two are going for synagogue church of church Satan to go and look for solution. You now give you a picture of the man of God. Anybody who gives you a picture of man of God and says you hang it on your body is giving you an evil spirit. I don't care who the man of God is. See, let me explain. I'm going to call the name of a few men of God who I, I, I believe in and they are genuine, but I forbid you from wearing their photographs. If anybody gives you pastor, yeah, the boy's photo to, 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 to wear. Tear the picture and put it in the person's face. If he gives you bishop or the photo to wear, tear the picture and give it back to the individual. And these are genuine men of God that I love and respect, you know. All the nonsense. Wear whose photo? Those are graven images. How much more? Joshua photo. Real human beings, we can't use their photo. <laughs> I don't think about it. Oh, we'll be hanging photos of saints on your body. Don't say I didn't want you. I'll be, <laughs> if you hang my picture, I'll show up in your dream. I will torment you. <laughs> if I come with Tukemuti and Israel. <laughs> we call we torment. But I don't know if we torment you. Nobody will tell you. Me will take the photo. I'm through it. 
Nonsense. You bring idolatry into Christianity. Now, so you divorce me, they can enter our homes now. It's not every book you read. It's not every book you read. Can I again tell us the story of that man? As a professional psychologist, he was researching into criminal minds. Using a loss in his heart. And with thoughts he exposed himself to. Two demons jumped into him. They started pushing him to molest young girls. His wife was about to leave. In fact, the wife had left. She said she only agreed to come back because he agreed to come and see the man of God. As they were speaking, by the sending of spirits, he just realized two demons inside this guy. They are determined to run his life. And he told him simply where the demons came from. He told the guy, look, you have two demons. They are there. I can see them now. They are in you. They came from the books you read. You said they are professional books, but that's where they came from. His wife had testified that, listen, she believes that one day, and that was pure word of knowledge, that one day he's going to kill one of those girls. And the police will catch him and imprison him, possibly sentence him to death. And that's why the wife left him. So can I say, well, I know what the problem is, except that I can't do anything about it. They say, why not? They say, because if I cast out the demons, each one will come back with seven spirits more wicked than themselves. So live with your two demons and just manage them. Of course, panic. Say, there's only, so nothing you can do. You say, well, there's a condition. We have to ensure that if we drive out the demons, they can't come back. And they give the man rules. Number one, you will burn all the books. You have to change your job if necessary. I don't care. But every single book you read has to be burnt. Number one. Number two, I will pray for you. You will be filled with the Spirit. You will pray every day in the Spirit and you read your Bible every day. We have to keep the demons out because if they come back, you know, Jesus said it like that. He said, when you cast a demon from a man and he goes away, he goes around dry places looking for rest, not finding. He will say to him, I will return to my house. He calls the person's life, his house. So then he returns, finds the place empty, garnished. Let me add my own words. Nothing inside. No Holy Spirit. He says he will return with seven spirits more wicked. Not just seven spirits now, but what? More wicked than himself. The man said, well, what choice do I have? Yes, I will do everything you have said. He said, without any fanfare, nothing. Just rebuke the spirits. Two, yeah, two of you in the name of Jesus, out of him. No noise, nothing. He said, they are gone. You can go home. And the man became totally free. He saw them years later. He was still totally free. His wife had returned to him. His life was going normally. Don't let curiosity go and carry any book. That's why I said, look, I'm convinced. Don't watch what they call horror movies. Don't watch pornography. Don't read stupid novels. Personally, if, if I get to a place where I'm showing a film and I find it's a horror movie, I get up and walk out. The only time spirit of fear has entered my life, I, watched, I can tell you the name of the movie. I watched it and, ah, as a university graduate, I was afraid of going out in the dark. I said, so, for what now? That was the day. I said, no, away with this. See, entertainment is a major distributor of influence. Demonic influence especially. Demonic influence. Look, they do movies. Movies were designed to spread immorality. Just do it to spread immorality. Saw some movies the other day. They just put a, just a small clip of two men kissing each other. It didn't last more than five seconds. 
I said they've started. People drink those things from... Look, this is the place. Anyway, that's not my main message. Let me end my message here. Hey, look at my time. The point I want to make is I want you to find spirits anywhere. Alright? It's not that you start praying, Father, help. No. Say, demon, if I catch you here again, I will send you to hellfire before your time. As a child of God, walking according to the word of God, walking in righteousness, you have authority over evil spirits. Now, how you know what they are operating, I don't know. I'm just going to end it here. The Holy Spirit will let you know. You, I don't believe in those who are always suspicious of evil spirits. Your tire goes and says, demon of tire leaking. I beg, take it easy. You burn food, spirit, the demon of food burning. Why won't you burn food? When you have, you have food on the fire, you decide to go and iron and shave. And then you are pressing phone, thank you. And you're on Facebook. You will not only burn the food, you will burn the pot. Some people have even burnt water before. The way Paris and Nomen are looking at each other, one of them burnt water in recent times. That is not a demon. That's not what I'm talking about. All right? But demons show up in different ways. And that I know. Just cause unnecessary strife in a home. Sometimes you can't even explain it. Some of those demons, you can God, if you see your brother committing a sin that is not unto death, you can pray. Now, I can apply that. Sometimes you can drive out spirits from people. Like now, you come to a house where they are always having strife. You can kick out the spirits when you are coming in. You can drive out that demon while you are there. And their heads will be calm as long as you are around. Opportunity to talk sense into them and explain to them you, you are opening your door, your doors of your life to evil spirits. But when you leave, bro, sis, if they don't listen to your instructions, the demons are coming back. If you remember in the days of Emmanuel Eni, one of them, I think Emmanuel Eni, following one girl go to church with all the spirits in him. Once the entire church, eh? hey, the church, you know those fire people? They caught him and drove out all the demons from inside him. But the demons all went outside. I said, oh, God, when you finish church, we're there on, on this tree. They delivered him by force. Ha. Spirit of Nkubos, come out. Sukubos, come out. Basebo, Asmondi, all of that. You know? <laughs> they drove out all the demons. The demons ran, no, because who won that? <laughs> Nobody won that. No, if Christians bow, you be demon, you go die. <laughs> so the demons ran. They ran outside. They went and hung on one tree. The man endured the service. After service, as soon as he, he went out, mm, we'll go back to our house. That's what I mean. The Lord is good. Let's end it here. Let's ask our feet. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Say in the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. I'm raised up with Christ. I have been raised up with Christ. I am seated with him in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. Say, am I alive in Christ? I have been raised up with him, and my life is hid with Christ in God. Say it again, my life is hid with Christ in God. Say, I have been raised up with him. I'm seated, I'm seated above demons, above principalities, above, principalities, above, powers, above powers, above every power of the enemy. Say in the name of Jesus, no evil spirit can stay in my life, can stay in my home. Say concerning my children, I banish them. 
concerning my home, I banish them. Now, I want to know each person, just under your breath, as I was speaking, you know what to address. Drive out one spirit that afflicting you, your family, even you yourself. The spirit of lust, the spirit of anger, the spirit of this or that, addictions. They are spirits. They are spirits. Any compulsion, anything you feel compelled to do that you don't want to do and is an evil thing. Say in the name of Jesus, out of my life, out of my life, out of the life of my children. Some, some families, the children just don't like each other. I'm telling you, it's an evil spirit. It came from somewhere I know, but drive them out and go and block the door. You see, your first son cannot stand, your first daughter, your last one does not like anybody. You enter into that house, it's as if Satan lives there. And sometimes they are preachers who you allow the spirit of depression. There are people possessed by the spirit of fear. You always see something going wrong in the country. You have a new job. You have seen the way they will fire you. It's a spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Say, you spirit of fear out of my life. You spirit of fear out of my life. Spirit of worry. Those spirits are pushing people to sin. Satan pushed Judas to sin. The spirit of worry is pushing you to disobey God. They say in the name of Jesus, you spirit of worry, I cast you out of my life. Say, so I cast you out of my life. That every door by which these spirits enter now begin to close them. Father God, I repent of this. I repent of that. I repent of gazing on things that are not pleasing to you. I repent on partic- in, in participating in village worship. So when people go for New Year Festival, they come back with evil spirits. They go, went for New Year Festival, they return with evil spirits. They go for burial. They say, age grace, shave your head for the dead. And you did. Tell them, no, I'm a priest of God. I don't shave my head for the dead. I'm a priest of God. I don't shave my hair for the dead. I'm a priest of the Most High God. I don't shave my hair for the dead. They say, come and do New Year Festival. They say, carry your own yam. Go and drop it at the junction. Say, no. That's a worship of ancestral spirits. If I want to worship God with a new yam, I will bring it home. Me and my children will cook it. And we will eat it with thanksgiving. We will share with our neighbor. I'm not dropping any yam in any junction. I'm not opening the doors of my heart, the doors of my life to evil spirits. Say to the Lord, Satan will have no place in my life. Say, Lord, Holy Spirit, you have to pray. Say, Lord, anywhere that may be opening the doors, open my eyes, Lord. Open my eyes, Lord. Say, Lord, open my eyes. Say, open my eyes, Lord. I just take about 30 seconds to round off our prayers. Still in that uh, last prayer point that Pastor raised. Maybe there are areas that um, your eyes are not even opened to. Just pray that prayer and believe in your heart. The Lord would um, open your eyes to see those areas. Say, Lord, open my eyes. In the name of Jesus. Let's give the Lord thanks for this um, evening's meeting. 
um, more or less like a deliverance meeting. So let's thank the Lord for deliverance. Yes, you are. Somebody needs to truly thank the Lord for deliverance. And you will begin to see um, the effect of the prayers that you've offered this night. Say, Father, thank you for deliverance. If you praise those prayers, believe in your heart that the Lord has answered, then give the Lord thanks. Say, Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We are grateful, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for truth. Thank you for the truth. Oh, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. All right, maybe you just keep standing so that we share the grace from there. Let's not forget, um, if you, for those of us that want to keep praying, maybe you're not satisfied and you feel like you still want to pray, you can continue to pray. Amen. Once you have um, a release in your spirit, then you're fine. Um, our next meeting will be on Friday and it's a, a Bible study. Um, it's very important that, like Pastor said, um, you have to fill yourself with the Word of God. Amen. Yes, there's always a price for deliverance. So um, as much as you can, as much as uh, you can take in the word of God, please, um, let's do that. So we'll meet again on Friday, 5 p.m. is the time. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. All right, let's share the grace in fellowship as we go. One, three, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above. This is a season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Prophesy to two persons. Say this is your season. One more person. And prophesy to yourself, say, this is my season. And of the power of God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Share, brethren. See you on Friday.